This is the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk on every team in the NHL. Offside by a mile, the podcast for anything and everything Colorado Avalanche, and the official Avs podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Offside by a Mile podcast, your Colorado ambulance podcast for the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I thought that was a fitting way to open the episode. Do you think? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the whole team is injured. The whole team. Why? Why? Why are you doing this? Why I said it this? last episode, or maybe the episode before. What? What did we do? To deserve this? What? What? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, okay. So, I guess to start before we get into how everyone is here, Rantanen, Landeskog, Belmar. Wilson, Zadorov, Grubauer, Frankie. Ouch. And you missed one. Potentially Ian Cole. Right. Yeah. Why? Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what we did to deserve this, but... Listen, whichever one of our listeners or whichever Avs fans out there that, you know, made a deal with the devil or something for the first... 10 games of the season. It wasn't worth it, man. Yeah. I agree, you know. Sell your soul in a different fashion, okay? If you're going to sell your soul, you got to sell it for the whole shebang. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Um but yeah, you know. It's un it's unbelievable that this is happening. And it's, you know, this is like enough injuries for the whole season, man. Like it's all happening at once. I don't really, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe this is maybe this is it. Maybe we're lucky, and maybe all the man games lost for the year are coming right now. Which you know, hey, I'll take that. Uh, I highly doubt that's what's going on. Though. I feel like we say <laughs> this every episode, though, and something new happens. Yeah. So, thirty-one seconds in, probably probably like twenty-nine seconds into the game. Yeah. On Tuesday night against Winnipeg, and Mark Shively decides, I'm going to initiate contact at the hash marks and destroy Frankie. Uh, I apparently he just wasn't going to stop. I went on a bit of a rant about how terrible how brutal how awful felino's hit was on belmar mm, yeah last episode mm-hmm. this is not that no this is not that it wasn't malicious it wasn't on purpose it's just a high high speed play it's gonna happen we've even seen it actually we see it later in that game too with 
I think it's Jost. Jost goes after. That, that was a, that was an interesting situation uh, too. <laughs> Hellebuck yeah. a little bit. Uh, not quite at the same rate, not quite in the same fashion. Mm-hmm. But Shifley argues with the ref. For those that watched, uh, I believe it was the Avalanche broadcast that they were talking about what Shifley was saying to the ref. Mm-hmm. Shifley was arguing that he was pushed. Now, was he pushed? I don't believe so. Was he contacted? Yes. Was it Shifley's fault? Yes. Shifley initiated contact. Whenever you, I think whenever you take the liberty to go full speed into that zone on the ice, you're putting yourself in a position that like you 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 can't hit the goalie there, you know, in a way. It is your job as the forward to avoid contact with the goalie. Now, it's different when you're legitimately body checked into the net. But if you're driving the net like Shifley was doing, Shifley was skating straight at the net. Yeah. You and the and it was was it Gerard? I think so. I honestly missed it. I was more worried about Frankie. Yeah, exactly. Uh he had the lane. Like he was there first. It's not like they were kind of coming in in a V mm-hmm. into the slot. Colorado defenseman, I believe Gerard, correct me if I'm wrong, Twitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has position, and Shifley tries to get better position. Yeah. Therefore, Shifley's the one that initiates contact. If it was the other way around, Shifley'd be getting pushed away from the net at that point because he's in the center of the ice. Gerard is it center of the ice. Yeah. Because Shifley doesn't win that battle, he can't go past the net on the right side of the net. So instead of going left because he's lost his balance, he goes through Frankie. Mm-hmm. It's awful. Unfortunately, it happens, and it's part of the territory being an NHL goalie. Yeah. The result sucks. Yeah. It was rough to watch, and just seeing him kind of flop over and wasn't moving a whole lot. Arms spread eagle, you Very know. Very similar movement from Belmar. Right. So On the ice. Does not look good. Now... The one thing that's lucky is I don't think he actually contacts his head with the post. I yeah. don't think Frankie actually goes head first into his post. But his body does smash it, and then his head smashes the ice. Yeah. And if anybody's worn a goalie helmet, uh, the back of the helmet's not designed to protect you from any of that. Right. Absolutely not. Like, less than nothing, it seems. Mm-hmm. It's completely loose. Like, that's nothing... The only thing it's protecting you from is slicing your head open on the ice. Yeah, and holding your helmet on your head. Yeah. <laughs> it's not protecting you from a concussion. Right. No chance. So, unfortunately, Frankie's night is over 31 seconds into the game. Yeah. And third string goalie, fresh from Sweden? Yeah. Uh, Adam Warner. Actually, I think, what was it, Swiss League? Maybe Swiss League. I might be wrong. But, jeez. I'll find it. Anyway. First NHL game for Adam Warner, 22-year-old. Never played a game in his life. Comes into only this game cold. played nine games in the AHL. So only right. played nine games in North America. Mm-hmm. This is terrifying. I'd, I'd be crapping my pants. Now, I saw the question posed a few times post-game, after, like, pre-game, or you know, during the game while it was happening, kind of. Is it worse or is it better than 
if he was told he was getting a start. Right, you know, because that's a great question. And he's I... just chilling on the bench. He's making NHL money. He's, you know, he's just he's just there to warm the bench. Yep. I'm not going in the game. This is Frankie's crease. Gruby's going to be back soon. I'm not going to get a game. I'm just here. To I'm just here to practice and here to yeah. <laughs> take start, uh, shot clock. <laughs> and whammy. No, you're not. You're going in the net. Yeah. And absolutely lights it on fire. Pretty much the story of the night. And wow. It was miraculous to watch. And that's a good point that you bring up because I'm thinking that the whole night. The whole time watching this game, I'm like, okay, so for him, it was like, oh, I'm coming in cold to this game. I've never played in the NHL. I okay, I have I have to I have to do it right now. It was Go out the, there, play hockey. It was the Swedish league, by the way. Okay, good call. Nice. Nailed it. Anywho. Uh, yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, maybe it is better for a goalie to come in in that situation because you don't, you can't even think. You, you, don't, you don't prepare the whole day. You don't have a sleepless night the night before. You're not throwing up your spaghetti. This is almost <laughs> ideal. Yeah. And apparently it was. I mean, he, for about, like, two minutes while Frankie was laying on the ice... He was probably like, he's going to be fine. He's just, <laughs> he's just not moving because he's scared. You know, like he, he's just, he's just got to shake the cobwebs off. He'll be fine. Yeah. And then eventually it's like, oh no, this is a really long time. I think I'm going to have to go play hockey here. Oh God. Yeah. Oh no. And then the butterfly Co- coach is looking up. at me. Uh oh. Yeah, coach <laughs> is telling me to get ready. And then the, the, your stomach is probably like 65 ways from where it should be. Right. And you're going in, and man, thank you to the Winnipeg Jets. I can't remember who shot the puck, but a real nice floater for his first shot in right. the NHL. You're a gem. Whoever did that, <laughs> you're yeah. a gem. Adam Warner thinks. owes you a beer. Yeah. Because <laughs> then after that, he just. Rob Line A twice, three times on the one-timer, I think, three times. Yeah, at least, yeah, two or three one-timers. And that like one two, in the slot. Also two, yeah, high-quality, high-slot, Line A position scoring attempts. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot that really stick out in your brain from that. It but was, yeah. You sent a message to the group chat when uh, Frankie went down and... Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, to be honest. So I was pretty stoked to get home and start watching the game from buying myself new goalie skates. Mm-hmm. Uh, got home, watched that performance, and wow, 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 wow. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh, he looks. I've said it before. I'm not a huge fan of Frankie's like movements, like practice movements and stuff. Mm-hmm. Warner has that. Obviously, it's easy to say after a 40-save performance, but he's, he's really got that um, calm, cool, and collected style of movements in the net, and yep, totally. it's pretty. Mm-hmm. I like it a lot. Man, yeah. Definitely a really good tracker, and I don't know. What, what bad can you say exactly about a 40-save shutout against a pretty highly skilled offensive uh, opposition? In yeah. the Jets. Winnipeg may not have defensemen right now, <laughs> yeah. but they still got all their forwards. And forwards that are taking steps forward. 
Like Ehlers has looked really good this year. Liney's looking really good this year. Shifley's always good. Exactly. Wheeler's we know Shifley good. and Wheeler. Connor's just, always good. Yeah. There were some pretty nice saves on Connor. Right. Shifley had a couple chances too. It, yep. What can you say about this kid? And then, as if you wanted to one up him, Mister Vegetable Man himself, <laughs> Kale McCarr. Kale, eat your kale. Late in the first minute, le- less than a minute left. Absolutely undresses Perot. Oh yeah, disgusting. And then tucks the backhand under the elbow of Hellebuck for the one nothing lead. Yeah, the eventual game winner. Yeah, what a goal. Yeah, I guess yeah, yeah, it is game winner and Two that in a row. right, that's second game winner for Kale McCarr. I was right. It was the first one last last game. I I Yeah, did. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I checked it after. Right. Yeah, you were right. And yeah, that's four goals in three games. Man, we just we just love watching this guy and we love talking about him and he's just he's so good. And like you don't see very many especially rookies that are able to stay that calm in that situation and just move to open ice. Like he's not, he's not even worried. He's just, he's just moving to his open ice. I'm just going to get a better position over here and then rip it. It's in the net. Boom. I'll say it again because I've said it before and I'm going to keep saying it until he actually celebrates, (laughs) but come on, Kale, act like you've been here before. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Dude, like celebrate, man. Like you're allowed. Yeah. Well, he'll maybe he'll maybe he's just saving it for the playoffs or yeah, something. Yeah, maybe he's saving know. it for when he hits fifty. Yeah, yeah, fiftieth goal of the year. Then he'll be stoked. Matt Dumba in preseason said he wanted to score fifty goals this year. Oh god! Or no, sorry, thirty. I think fifty's crazy. Thirty. Like, he yeah. wanted to score thirty. Yeah, that's what Kale's saving it for. He's gonna sell. He's gonna sell you real hard when he gets to like at least twenty. You know. Hopefully, it's against Minnesota too. <laughs> that would be pretty. And funny. he can just go by Dumba and be like, just give him a thumbs up or something. <laughs> Hold the puck. <laughs> I just we I can't say enough good about Kale McCarr. I don't think anybody can. Yeah. Every game. Every game he looks better. Yeah. And like, right, it's it's becoming apparent, obviously. Four goals, three games. But you're just seeing you're I what I'm seeing more of now is that he's he's calm, he's comfortable here. Now he's starting to explore all his, you know, attributes that he has. And he's you know, and coaching, obviously. And his teammates are are letting him and want him to do this, and it's it's clear he's he's good, especially with Rantanen and Landeskog down right now. He's stepping up to even you know give that depth scoring from the blue line, and and he, he's he's totally taking the reins on that. Like he's outstanding. Yeah, you know, uh, like, it's amazing. I know McC- I, like I know Rantanen and I know Landeskog have been out for a while. Landis Goglesso, but mm-hmm. Rantan's been out for nine games. Makar is second on the team in points. Yeah. Point a game as a rookie defenseman. If he keeps this pace going. There isn't even a full, a rookie forward at a point a game right now. Yeah. Crazy. 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 Yeah, so that's like all the stats flying around right now are like, if he keeps this point per game going, he's going to have like a seriously historical season, especially when it comes to rookie D-men, let alone like regardless like defenseman period. Exactly, right? 
So it's something to keep an eye on. And of course, everybody's got their eye on this guy. And that's also the other thing is that every opposition's got their eye on this guy. He still does it. Well, it's kind of, it's one of these things, right? It's kind of what Eric Carlson used to benefit from before he had his injuries. Uh, Brent Burns a little bit like Mm -hmm. that. Klingberg, not so much this year, but Mm -hmm. when he's on top of his game. John Carlson's kind of uh, benefiting from it right now. But you're farther away from the defensive specialists when you're a defensive and that's really good. Obviously, this like the whole NHL is like this where defensemen don't get nearly as many points. But when you can build up your speed like Kale McCarr has, like most of these guys I just ran, rang off, yep. you're all of a sudden getting to their defensemen at full speed. Yeah. And they have a lot more of a tough time trying to defend that, right? It's almost, yeah, it's almost like a like a power play breakout, right? Yeah, kind it's of. It's like he's that back man, and then he just flies. By the time he gets to you, you're like, oh, man. Right. <laughs> I'm screwed. Yeah. So that's the that's the first period. Yeah. Uh, the second period was a whole lot of chances, but not really anything on the scoreboard. And, you know, here's the thing, too, is... Honestly, this is not the greatest game for Colorado. It's, it's Which, really not. I mean, you don't really... Ex- I don't think any of us were expecting that with the injuries that have happened. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah. And with that being said, you still won 4 nothing. So realistically, it's okay. But it's, it's kind of that game, right? Every team in the NHL has off nights. I'm not saying yep. this was an off night necessarily. It wasn't like but too far off. Winnipeg you know? did have 40 shots. Yeah. Uh, the good teams in NHL win games when they're not playing their best. Yep. Because they do stuff like this where they kind of muck it up. They get it. Uh, they get it to where they want it. Kind of like the jet or like uh, Colorado did last night, Tuesday night. Mm-hmm. They get it into the third period and then. Who else but Nathan McKinnon right. to break the game wide open? Yeah, right? exactly. The game breaker himself. Uh, that second period, it was kind of just there. No penalties, no goals. Mm-hmm. Shots, 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 and more shots. But, again, Werner was played great. Stood on his stood head. Stand on his head. Hellebuck played great in that period, too. Yep. Uh, it, it, it wasn't like a back in the day uh Jer- new jersey devils like five shots to four shots yeah like there there, there was stuff happening still in the excitement second, yeah but it was the perfect storm for the abs in this game where yeah you're missing so many pieces they just got they got through it get to the third wham three goals and see you by we're going to edmonton yeah uh those goals though <laughs> by mckinnon and donskoy Man. Uh, the first one from McKinnon right at the start of the period. Right. And it was really nice. And he's playing. This is going to happen, too. We're going to see lots of these line shuffle, line combinations are going to be all over the map coming up here. Especially, like, I don't know, the D might get shaken up a bit. I'm not really sure what's going on with Cole. Like, I know he took the shot off in that third period off his inside of his left leg. Not entirely sure. He took a maintenance day today, which is Tuesday. Or, sorry, Wednesday. Um, 
So not really sure what that what what's going on with you know all the lines coming up here. But uh, sorry, Calvert was playing out there with with McKinnon, and you know just just a nice play, nice solid you know slot to high slot pass, boom back of the net. You know McKinnon's not gonna miss too many of those when it's just kind of a gift on his stick. But so you know nice goal, nice goal. But the second goal that McKinnon scores. We kind of talk. We talk about this a bit with uh, with the boys from the uh, the Oil Country podcast later on in our uh, across the rink segment. But man, can he like McKinnon can move like one other in this league, and that's McDavid. Those two are on another level when it comes to acceleration with the puck. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing that's different. Oh, there's a lot of guys. Dylan Larkin's yep. like that. Braden Point. Braden Point. There's a lot of guys that can skate fast. Mm-hmm. There's not that many guys that can skate faster. Like, they accelerate when they get the puck. Yeah. A lot of guys, they get the puck, and then you're just trying to keep the puck, so you're you're clearly not as focused on just skating. Yeah. So generally, you're not going quite full speed. But McDavid, McKinnon, they pick the puck up, and they are just gone. Yeah. On that goal, he... Yeah, picks it up about he's the red at, line. He's at the blue line. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. He's at the blue line. Uh, was it Donskoy, I think, who got that assist? Um, yep. Yeah, Donskoy got the first assist. So Donskoy is at the red line. He's got a couple of jets around him. And McKinnon's just like, actually, that's mine. Takes it off Donskoy's stick. Not even passed. Just takes it right off the <laughs> stick. Yeah. And then just blows by the guy from the Jets coming off the bench. And he's in alone. Just just like that. Unreal speed. Just Yeah, and then that's the thing about that, too, that must be just terrifying as a goaltender to have, you know, one of these guys like McKinnon or McDavid coming down full tilt past all your team on a breakaway. You're like, oh, man. One guy that I can think of that, is less terrifying on a breakaway is Paul Byron used to play in Calgary. <laughs> used to, I think he's playing in Montreal still. Yeah. That guy gets so many breakaways by doing the same kind of thing. He, yep. he kind of blows the zone like right as the turnover happens on a breakaway, but the finish is just not there. Cause he's just not that talented. He's yeah. just fast. Mm-hmm. That is probably still terrifying as a goalie. Cause it's an NHL breakaway. These are all, guys are all good. We've talked yep. about this. Mm-hmm. But you get a guy like McDavid, McKinnon, the top tier guys in this league, coming down on you on a breakaway, <sighs> puckered butthole. Yeah. For sure. Full pucker. <laughs> Full clinch. Oh, yeah. And especially because you know those guys, like, their hands move just as fast as their feet. Yeah. And that's that was shown in that goal. It's not even, you know, it's nothing dazzling. That like how he shoots and how he scores. He doesn't send Hellebuck into the corner. Right. It's just a quick little like backhand to forehand, boom, shoots Shelf. it in. Yeah, like it's clean. Unreal. That's all you need. Just another unreal goal. And then Donskoy adds to the lead, but I mean Honestly, this goal made me happy. Donskoy's goal because it's a power play goal and it was really quick. It was they won the face off, cute. goes back, shoot it on net, rebound goal, it's in. That's how you. That's how you power play. I think that was four passes in like two seconds. Yeah, it was super nice. Not the greatest pass for McKinnon to Caudry. Yeah, 
But Kadri somehow deals with it, gets a like shovels a puck at Hellebuck, and then Donskoy pots the rebound on Hellebuck, trying to kind of stretch the post. Yeah, it's it's the finish on the goal is not pretty, mm-hmm. but up until it gets to the net, you're like, oh, that's the kind that of that is a well oiled team. Yes, but those are also plays the Jets have been allowing a lot this year because their defense is so thin. Yeah, it is what it is for them, right? right? So take it with a grain of salt. But it Mm -hmm. it looks good. And for a team where the power play has been still – it's still not where it should be because obviously you're missing two of the top guys. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we'll take it and we'll head to Edmonton for sure. Mm -hmm. One thing I'd like to point out that I really hate, and I I swear I heard it before – like in a season prior, uh, because Werner didn't play the entire game, he doesn't get credit for a full shutout. Are you so that's I, yeah? So I was looking it up last night after the game, because another goalie played in the game, he doesn't get a shutout. Now, personally, I think that's stupid. It is. Uh, when another goalie doesn't make a save, you should earn a shutout. Like. There's 40 shots in this game. All 40 were stopped by Adam Werner. Yeah. He should get credit for a shutout. I totally understand. I I think the game I remember it in was a Dallas Stars game. I can't remember who they were playing. Ben Bishop got smoked in the face with a puck and cut him. Mm. And he had to go off to get stitches. Niemi came in and they were, I swear they were saying that unless Niemi made a save, because they were... Bishop was rocking a shutout at that point. Unless the enemy made a save, Bishop could come back and keep his shutout. Now, that might be because Bishop started the game and then potentially would have finished the game, whereas this, the start goes to Frankie. Right. Uh, But the rulings that I read on the internet, now it's hard because it's not really in the rule book of the NHL, and I'm also not planning to read every (laughs) line in the rule book. Yeah. Uh, but from what I read, it, if there was another goalie that played a second in that game, cause so uh, there were some people that there were some forums that have popped up on that. I was clicking on to see if there was links or whatever. Mm-hmm. And some people were like, you have to play the whole game. And other people were like, well, what happens if you pull the goalie? He's not playing the whole game. Mm. And that's when somebody justified it with the other, another goalie has to uh, come okay. in and play. Right. Gotcha. Now that being said, it's a very weird time to be pulling your goalie. And when you have a shutout, but pe- delayed penalties happen, right? So you might mm. miss ten seconds of action, right? But in, from what I from what I understand, and it's definitely not a shutout. That, like I looked on the NHL website, Frankie doesn't have a shut. Or sorry, Werner doesn't have a shutout, even though his save percentage is 100%. a hundred percent. Yeah, <laughs> one zero zero zero. Yeah, it's unfortunate for those who care. Me, Jared, Brett. Oh yeah, I guess we never said that. Brett's uh. Out in Vancouver for work, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, that's why he's not on the episode today. Um, And then all our listeners and Avs fans everywhere. I think we can call it a shutout for our boy. Yeah. Werner. I think that's safe. I think that's yep. fair, right? Yeah. Now, it, it must suck because he gets his first NHL win. I'm sure they gave him a, a game puck at some point. Yeah, they game. did. Yeah. It just sucks that. Technically speaking, it's on his first career shutout. Because that's legit. That's a shutout, man. That's a shutout. Yeah. 
right? Like, eh, I totally understand. Like, to me, I, I don't think my logic is out to lunch. If it's 41 shots and Frankie had made a save, then sure, it's a shared shutout. Obviously. Yeah. But Frankie did nothing in this game except get run over. Yeah. Now, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I, I, I just... It should be a shutout. It should be Warner shutout. It should be full credit. He deserves it. It's thirty-one seconds. Yeah, that's it. That's all. That's all he missed. I don't know. For him, I, I feel a little bad for him. But to be honest, I'm sure he doesn't care right now. It's probably later in life that he'll care, if ever. But hopefully, this isn't the last time we see Werner play like that. Hopefully, it's. The last time for a while. I'm pretty sure he's playing tomorrow night. It, sorry, Thursday night against It would make Edmonton. sense. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully it's a short stint because I can't handle all these injuries. I cannot do it. Yeah, it's... Uh, I don't want to end up like the Vegas Golden Knights of last year. I, two years I, ago, I think. Oh, it is. Is it two years it ago was now? First, it was the first year. Oh, uh, right. It was... Yeah, I don't think we need what five or six I think goalies. It was six. I think it was six. They, I don't want it. They legitimately had to sign a goalie from the CHL. Jeez. The Junior Hockey League in Canada. Right. To play NHL games because they had so many injuries. Now, for those of you that are wondering, they're not the Avalanche are not far off of that. Yeah. Anton Antoine Bebo mm-hmm. got called up. At the very least for practice. Yeah. And he is the last NHL contracted goalie in the organization. Not to mention that he was literally just injured himself. And he's also, yeah, only played two games in the NHL. So, you know, Avs fans coming up here, our tandem for the Edmonton Oilers, projected tandem, I'll say, has three NHL games to their credit. That's crazy three games between two goalies yeah so you know please stop please i've had had enough edmonton just chill take it easy cassian no just stop i don't want to see you hitting anyone uh just stop i don't know how much ringette is uh, (laughs) around in colorado arenas Denver arenas, any of these arenas in Colorado. Uh, for those of you that know Ringette, there's another like crease esque thing <laughs> outside of the regular hockey crease. It's about a foot, foot and a half bigger than the regular crease. We need that for the game in Edmonton. We just need a, a safe space we for need our a, goalies. Yeah, we need a buffer. Okay, just just stop. We need stay a, out of the bubble. We need a safe space. This is it's hard on my mental. Uh, being my mental well-being seriously but yeah you know like out of that game like like we said it wasn't the greatest game but like you said tyler good good teams win these kinds of games and you know a shutout from a unknown source and some you know two goals two assists from mr game breaker that's that's what you get so boom, four nothing, four nothing win. Your best player had four points. Yeah, can't complain about that. Uh, now on to future hockey. We have surprise a Thursday Saturday spread 
this weekend, like, yep. you know, last weekend, like next weekend. Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, it's, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. It's a common team. So I like it though. This is this is how I like my NHL it, weeks to it go. It feels right, doesn't it? It does. It feels right. Sunday you don't have to worry about anything. Yep. Monday, you know, I hate work. I have to go to work. <laughs> Tuesday, it's it's game time. It's a good day. Yeah. Um the Oilers are on fire. Not so much like super recently, but uh overall they have the best duo in the NHL. Yeah, which this season I'd probably say yeah. Obviously, the Avalanche would like to have the same duo, but injuries have changed that. Mm-hmm. So the Oilers have the everyone knows they have McDavid and Drysaddle. Mm-hmm. Currently, they have. I oh what is it? Oh, it went away. I had this. <laughs> Where uh, did you go, Tab? Stats league leaders. Yeah. They're leading. I think they're both leading. Like they're top two in the leading points right now. Like it's not even. It's not even like as a pairing they're better. Oh no, no, Pasternak. Oh, they're tied. Dreisaitl has thirty six points in twenty games. Connor McDavid has thirty one points in twenty games. Yeah. So to put that in perspective, your best player Nathan McKinnon only has twenty six points in eighteen games, and he's playing how he's playing. And yeah. Exactly, and he had that crazy streak to start the year off. Yeah. That is crazy. Yeah. That is absolutely crazy. Uh, we're about to get into it with the guys from... The Oil Country Podcast. The Oil Country Podcast. John and Kyle. John and Kyle. Uh, we'll get some insight from them, and uh, we hope you enjoy this week's episode, uh, or episode, this week's uh, across the rink segment. All right, guys, how's it going? Good man. How are you boys doing? Uh, not too bad. Good. Uh, it's good to meet I, you guys. Yeah. yeah, good to finally start talking to some other folks on the Hockey Podcast Network. Oh, is this Absolutely. your first interview? No, no, we've talked to uh, Tom from Blue Notes and Michael from the Clean Skate. Clean Skate. Right, gotcha. And the hockey troll from and, Caps Chirp. Yeah. We did that pretty early on. Yeah, yeah it's been good though. It's, it's been fun. A, yeah, it's, solid it's, network of guys and yeah, yeah. It's always uh, nice to get those insights for sure. Exactly. I guess first thing you have to talk about when you're talking about the Oilers is this dynamic duo that you have up front. Uh, do you think the Oilers can have this kind of success all year with just Drysital and? McDavid going? I'll I'll say no. Um the depth scoring is definitely going to have to contribute and it's slowly starting to trickle in from other sources. But the goaltending can't be downplayed either. I mean, obviously that that duo up front is our leaders and you know where our bread and butter is. But the goaltenders have been fantastic this year and the defense has stepped up in certain areas as well. But depth scoring is definitely going to be you know, a necessity to kick in if this team wants to take that next step and be be a legit contender. Yeah, that was going to be my point. Like, our goaltending has definitely been our greatest strength, I'd say, so far, even though, of course, Drysaddle and McDavid are playing lights out. Like, they're amazing, of course. Uh, but if our goaltending doesn't stay hot, then that will be the end of us, I think. Like, we don't have the depth to compete 
um, if it starts to fall apart there. Yeah, we, we do were... have some, just to add on to that, sorry, we do have some solid, you know, like fourth line grinder style two-way players. We've added guys like Archibald and Granlund and Haas from overseas, and they've really helped our PK and on special teams and stuff like that. The problem is, is just that production isn't there. So when our top six are more specifically McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't scoring, more often than not, the team's not scoring. Well, yeah, right. Like McDavid and Dreisaitl have been there for a while now, it seems. And they produce points every year. It's it's non-negotiable. That's just what they do. But you get goaltending and finally, oh, look, wins. Absolutely. (laughs) It's funny how that works in hockey. (laughs) That's really been like the biggest issue of the the Oilers here the past like decade, right? It's been our defense hasn't been able to hold down in front of our our goaltending. So now that we actually have at least a okay core of defenders, our goaltending can actually be, you know, an, an average level goaltending duo and they're playing higher than their caliber should be, right? Like so uh so it's nice that we have depth on the back end at least and and even like the bottom six like john said they might not be scoring but they are hard workers and they put a lot of pressure on the other team that that helps it uh helps our top two duo of uh mcdavid and drysdale let loose a little bit more one of the things too with with our team that i'm really interested to see what's going to happen and you know over the course of the season and into the future Something that hasn't really been going on at oil country for decades is we finally have a really solid prospect pool, especially on that back end, but we've got some guys up front as well. And Holland's been really committed to just leaving those guys down for the most part, unless there's injuries. We we just saw Caleb Jones, a left defenseman, Seth Jones, younger brother, get called up today uh, to fill in for Brandon Manning's broken hand. But other than that, like those guys are still just overriping or overseasoning as Holland puts it. It's so the, the red wing way. Absolutely. Yeah. Wait until they're, you know, 110% done and ready for the mm-hmm. NHL and then bring them up. It's exactly why you hired him. For sure. Cause we, we've been doing the exact opposite for so long. And I mean, I always <laughs> right. try and argue against the Oilers rec prospects, but at the end of the day, I mean, you look at Yakupov, you look at P-R-V. maybe pull Yarvi. <laughs> I mean, it didn't work out here for sure. Whether he turns into an NHL player eventually is still to be seen, but absolutely. I mean, that that's the reason they brought Holland in, like you said. And, and me and John are huge supporters of that. We were talking like since he got hired at the beginning of our podcast and how we were looking for that patience and, and logic going into the team rather than, uh, than just throwing in whoever they, they could really get their hands on, it seemed like. Um, and a lot of our fans, I don't think, have, have realized that Holland's going to be patient. They keep asking for people to be called up uh, before we feel that they're ready. Um, but yeah, it's been a nice change and hopefully it works out for the best for our team. Yeah. You got to sell it to the fans for sure. Uh, speaking of goalies, I guess, um, we got firsthand look at Mike Smith going legend for a little while in the playoffs last year. Uh, did you guys expect Mike Smith to be doing this right now? Go ahead. Kyle's our goalie guy more so than me. So you go. So so am I nice. (laughs) Um, quite honestly, I wasn't a huge fan of us picking up Smith when I heard about it in the offseason there. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of his antics, I guess, on the ice, um, how animated he can get. And I felt that with the young core defenders, um, I wasn't really for it. Um, his skill level wise, though, I, I was expecting him to at least put up a, a consistent push on Koskinen. We felt that he needs like basically a 1B to be pushing him the entire time for him to be able to perform well. Um, we noticed last year when Talbot was slacking, Koskinen started slacking. 
um, as well as him coming over from the KHL and having an increased workload. Um, we, I guess to finish my point, I didn't personally expect Smith to be as good as he is, um, but I expected him to push Koskinen to be better, um, which he has been because of it. I'd agree with that as well. I think it was, you know, when we were doing our pre or our season preview episodes, Kyle and I were definitely very concerned about our goaltending situation. And honestly, to say that we saw it coming would be a complete lie. Like so far, 20 games into the season, Koskinen's been lights out. I mean, he's seven, one and one off the top of my head, I believe. And Smith's had some tough games, but he's typically getting the tougher of the matchups as well. So he's still, you know, an NHL 500 as well. So yeah, to answer your question, no, we re- we really didn't see it coming, and we couldn't be more thrilled. And it, it's been the biggest reason why I think you're seeing a different Oilers team and different results for this team as last year, as well as a little bit of that depth on the back end and the emergence of a couple key defenders as well. Well, yeah, right. Like you get goaltending, and it kind of doesn't necessarily hide your flaws, but it uh, definitely dulls them out a bit. I will Absolutely. say Smith in particular, though, too. Um, he has been a huge help for our defensemen, uh, especially so that they're young and still learning how to play in the NHL. His puck moving ability gives them that extra second or two to uh, to consider what they're going to do with the puck when they get it. You know, not having to race behind the goal line, they get it at the top of the circles. Or yeah, until he puts it in the he, until he puts it in his own net. <laughs> he definitely, yeah, he definitely, definitely does make mistakes times. with it. Yeah, like it's it's definitely a plus and a minus. I work sure. with a guy that's a pretty big Oilers fan, and he was pretty jacked up about Mike Smith's playing of the puck pretty early in the season i was like just wait just wait till mike smith comes and has a mike smith and literally the next game he did it and i was like yeah yeah that was the you. game early like game four of the season yeah. and he let in two goals where he got picked oh, yeah. and you you can tell like that is the risk of doing that right like you can influence a game in a positive way moving that puck and getting it up the ice but if a team comes in well prepared and they have a plan to put pressure on you there, it's risky as well. But one of the things I did want to say on the puck moving, we've definitely seen that influence Koskinen as well. Like he's never been a very aggressive puck, uh, you know, a guy playing the puck behind the net or out of his net at all. But he has definitely been more aggressive, aggressive and he's been picking up a, you know, a thing or two from Smith. So as long as he doesn't get too overly aggressive and start making those huge mistakes, it had a positive impact there as well. Uh, I guess next question um, comes to the subject of the other ex-flame that joins the Oilers, Mr. James, the real deal, Neil. Um, so he scored, what was it, seven goals in the first four games, and he's got 12 goals on the year. He looks to me like he's slowed down immensely over the course of the last couple weeks anyway. Um, I'm also looking just at the, you know, the old stats and I see that he's a pretty uh, hefty minus 10 on your team for a guy who scored the second most goals on the team. Is that a worrying number? And is that something that you guys have maybe noticed in the past, uh, you know, two, three weeks? I think it is to a point. I mean, most of Smith or Neil's production, excuse me even early on in the year, most of those goals came on the power play, right? I think he only has maybe three or four goals at five on five this year. And that's, so that's something that definitely benefited us because we did have a pretty weak power play last year and the years before, but I think it more settles down to just kind of that top six doesn't have enough top six talent, right? You've seen on the top line, Zach Cassian's kind of settled in 
and been that obviously lesser talented player than Dreisaitl and McDavid, but he's settled into his role there. And mm-hmm. Nuge and Neal, who Nuge is always our second line center, but Neal's spent you know 80% of his time, if not 90% of his time at five on five with Nuge and Hopkins. But that other winger position's really not been there. And not to say that Neil isn't to blame on some of the defensive play because that's definitely not where his strength in game is. But I think it kind of comes down to you've got a solid two-way player in Ryan Nugent Hopkins, but that line hasn't really been able to find a ton of chemistry, whether that be in the offensive zone or the defensive zone. So that is kind of my take. I mean, we weren't expecting Neil to be a defensive power horse by any means, but the minus 10 is definitely obviously not a good thing. But hoping, you know, as... Nygaard just came back. He's another guy we brought in from overseas that's got some speed. We've got a couple different options, whether that be from AHL call-ups and Tyler Benson or Kyler Yamamoto, that that top six can finally kind of get a definitive six guys and get some chemistry going. And I think that would take them a long way, especially on the defensive end as well as the offensive. Uh, I guess we kind of talked about it a little bit, but the D... The defensive side of the game has been a lot better for the Oilers this year. Uh, do you think it's, do you think it's coaching? Do you think it's personnel? Do you think it's simply goaltending, like we were talking about, or is it kind of a mix of everything? It's it's a mix of everything for sure. There's there's definitely been an improvement with the coaching, um, the kind of five man attack system without it being. Um, we had an old coach that, that ran a swarm defense that we make fun of. Um, <laughs> and it's, uh, it's definitely not that it's, it's players knowing where they should be on the ice and attacking when they should, um, as soon as they cause a little bit of, uh, you know, uh, unproper puck movement from the other team, they, they actually increase the pressure and, and make them get to, uh, sloppy. Sorry. Um, but, uh, but there's also been the emergence of the one standout Ethan bear on our back end. Um, and he's really coming to his own, especially so that we've had one of our top pairing defense, uh, defenseman, uh, Adam Larson out here for the past, what, five weeks now, John. Right. Yeah. He uh, only played one game. Yeah. So, so that in itself has been huge. He's actually averaging, I think it's uh, just under 25 minutes a night right now. Um, so for a rookie to be out there that much, like it's, it's been just as much to our team as Makar has basically been to yours. Um, Mm-hmm. Maybe not quite on the point production scale, but as far as you know, adding to <laughs> it's, a, a it's much a... needed hole on our defensive end. Absolutely. Oh, for sure. Exactly. For sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. The Oilers have been lacking on the defensive side of the puck, especially the bottom, like the defensive six, for a while. It seems. Absolutely, you've got guys that you know. We kind of you could argue that we rushed in Nurse and Clefbaum, but they're coming into their prime now and seem to really be developing into you know, two studs, maybe not bonafide number one defenseman, but definitively top four defensemen on average in the NHL. And like Kyle mentioned with Ethan Bear, but getting back to your your question about Tippett and, and coaching, I do think that has had a huge impact. I mean, one of the big things, even our um, the 2017 season when the Oilers made the playoffs most recently, that team got great goaltending. But that was one of the rare years where we actually had solid team defense and you really had guys in the bottom six as well as the top six on the front end buy into that defensive system. And we were kind of plagued with lots of years and not to, you know, they were great Oilers in in bad times and not to rip on them. But you've got, you know, guys like a young Taylor Hall, a young Jordan Eberle, leaders as your team and not a ton of leadership from the veterans in those locker rooms and the buy-in on the defensive end just wasn't there. So I think it's a little bit of, you know, that that defensive 
emergence of Ethan Bear and filling in for Adam Larson, but as well as when the team's on defensively, you really have those forwards buying in. And like Kyle said, that kind of five back defending, five up attacking, not so much you've got Dreisaitl and McDavid blowing the, you know, blowing out of the zone, trying to get a breakaway pass every play. Which, I mean, Connor McDavid doesn't need to blow the zone to get a breakaway because he is the fastest man alive. <laughs> yeah, he can give everybody kind of a 15-foot head start, and he's still probably going to blow by yeah. them for the most part. I mean, I shouldn't go crazy. McKinnon is... Oh, he's got wheels in his oh, own right, for sure. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of him on Tuesday night blown by the Winnipeg Jets. He is... He was at the blue line. Everybody else was the red line. And he's like, I'm going to go for a breakaway now. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> just walks around and, yeah, just thanks. I'll just take this opportunity. Crazy to watch. I'm sure you guys see it night in, night out with McDavid too. Oh, it is. I mean, it's electric when, like, McKinnon, McDavid, anytime those guys are on the ice, it's just that electric feeling. You know, at any moment, something great and amazing can happen, right? And yeah, you're just, exactly. You're just there, waiting for it to happen. There's nothing quite like watching those two live. Yeah. There isn't. No, there's nothing like it. Uh, before we wrap it up, uh, game one of two in the next 13 days against the Oilers for our Colorado Avalanche. What are you guys expecting to see? Maybe a prediction or two? You don't have to. No, I can. Uh, Cal, do you want to take this one first or you want me to go ahead? <laughs> well, I hope at least for the first game that we're going to be able to capitalize on all your guys's injuries that uh you've currently sustained um and hopefully none of those players are back at least for our sake for the following matchup um this this stretch right here is probably our toughest part of games for the season so if we can at least put out a good showing against you um you know i I, i'm hoping it can be at least a close one goal game in both games uh that that would make me happy i think with the Oilers got not, I mean, not blown out really bad, but they lost 6-3 in a very dominant victory by the Sharks on Tuesday. So I think you're going to see a pretty hungry team. It's kind of been the Jekyll and Hyde like the Oilers have for the last five to 10 years. But if they show up, assuming they will, I think they'll have a fire lit up under their ass a little bit. And I think you could see a pretty exciting back and forth game and, and some high scoring as well. You guys have been in some high scoring games so far this year. We've had a couple, but not too, too many. But especially with that, you know, third string goaltender you guys mentioned. Mm-hmm. And we've got, you know, a little bit of a fire under our ass, hopefully, like I mentioned as well. I think you could see a high scoring game. Score predictions are always tough. And I don't, you know, I'm not going to go against my team, but I don't want to jinx them either. I'll, I'll go bold and I'll say six, five Oilers in overtime. I think it's going to be a wild Ooh. game. That's what I'm hoping for. I, did I was thinking six, four. That was going to be mine. Yeah. It is the, the Oilers of old games that you're hoping for big wild high scoring <laughs> yeah way old sorry i was thinking when you said old i was like oh no not decade of darkness i'd love to see some of that hockey <laughs> <laughs> well john kyle thanks for uh thanks for coming on offside by a mile today and wish yeah, you a, a pleasure, little bit man. of luck on thursday not so much <laughs> thank you yeah. so much for having us guys yeah good luck to you too a little bit of, a little bit of luck to you guys as well but yeah thank you very much it was our pleasure have a good one. You Bye. as well. All right. Thanks, John and Kyle from the Oil Country Podcast, part of the Hockey Podcast Network, and this week's version of Across the Rink. Now I think we start talking about Vancouver on Saturday. Yeah. But first, now that it's far enough away, I think we can discuss 
what we haven't discussed yet, and the ambulance rides that may be coming to an end. Mm, yes, hopefully, we knock did, on wood. We did mention last week that Miko hadn't been skating. He's finally skating on his own. Yeah. Do I think he's making it back for Vancouver on Saturday? Absolutely not. No. Do I think he may join the team at some point on this road trip? Maybe. Hopefully, fingers crossed. I'm thinking Thursday next week, maybe. If we, yeah, and maybe maybe it's not on this road trip, but I think, yeah, maybe maybe Thursday, yeah, against uh, Minnesota next week on the 21st. It's a possibility. Um, I know that he didn't travel with the team. Doesn't mean he can't join them. So we'll have to see. Um, from what we know, Kadri's fine. He's just taking a maintenance day. And then uh, Ian Cole as well. As far as I know, he's fine. Hasn't really been released whether he is or isn't. Yeah, there's they were really quiet about Cole. Like, they didn't really say much. Hopefully it's just a Charlie Horsey kind of thing. That was a pretty big shot that he took. Yeah. Like. Yeah, off the inside left leg. So that never feels good. If yeah. you haven't been hit there with a hockey puck, oh, it sucks. Oh yeah, that's probably the worst place to get hit, other than the old Frankenbeans. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, and then, pretty much last but not least, Gruby is finally, mm-hmm. pretty much practicing. Finally, there almost. Yeah, like to the point where. Uh, the thought of maybe playing Werner and just having Gruby sit on the bench was yeah. an option for th- Thursday night's game against Edmonton. Yeah, we kind of talked about that, how, like, before our episode started, that maybe that's an option. But it's terrifying because if the hockey gods come calling again... Which, hell, I wouldn't doubt it. And you're forced to put Gruby in, it's this, if you're putting an NHL jersey on... You have to be ready to play. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think that's a good option because what happens if he comes in and, like, if he's forced into action and then he tweaks it, that's just, that can't happen. Yeah. So I th- I think Thursday night, we're, like we said earlier, we're probably looking at a Werner and Bebo combo. Mm-hmm. But I think Saturday you can expect the return of Philippe. Hopefully. That's my hope. Fingers crossed. Uh, we need to start getting players back before other players get injured. It's usually a better, you know, way of life. But it's going to get to the point where the Avs are below the like cap floor because of how many people are in IR. Yeah, we're going to have to like sign someone off free agency <laughs> to friggin' have enough players here. But, you know, I mean, with all these injuries and everything, hell, we're still winning. We're still winning some games here, so... I mean, I guess it's a good sign because depth and, you know, just up and down lineup, heavy roster here. It's good. It's, I don't think, I don't think this would have happened last year. If this amount of injuries happened to us in last season, I think it's, it would have been game over. It doesn't even matter this many. Ranton yeah. and Landeskog last year, game over. Yeah. And season I mean, ending. they had little nips and, little band-aids on last year on occasion but it wasn't for this length of time and it was not at the same time i know this is a little off topic but Sidney crosby just 
was announced to be entering IR. Mm-hmm. That right there is kind of what happened. Like, I'm not saying this is what happened last year, but this is what could have happened last year. Crosby has a sports hernia. He He's had it since preseason. He decided to defer treatment and kind of just play with it because of the early season injuries that happened in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. Malkin got hurt. Like, just there's just so many injuries in Pittsburgh, too. Yeah. That he decided to delay his treatment and is now they're they're not sure if they're gonna uh operate on it or what but now he's finally taking some time off and it's not good like sports hernia whatever you have it's not good to force your way through it necessarily right we commend hockey players all day long about their toughness and their grit and their ability to play through things sometimes it's not worth it some there are some injuries like a bruise you can play through it. It's not going to make it any worse. Yeah. But if you're trying to play through like a, a tweaked hammy or tweaked groin, tweaked whatever, that's not good for it. It's not going to make it better. Yeah. So thankfully the Avs don't have to deal with that. They have the depth. They've, they're have they second in right. the central. They're four points behind St. Louis. Yeah. Who is continuing to roll since the game they played against Colorado. Right. And if the Avs win their game in hand, they're two points back. Yep. So, uh, with all things said, it's it, not so bad. I guess it could be worse. This game against the Canucks, though, is going to be interesting. They're they're a tweener team. They're kind of kind of the Avs of last year, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Where maybe it wasn't necessarily expecting to make the playoffs. It be like being like just the situation. Uh, but. They're sitting in the playoff spot right now. They're playing pretty well. Pedersen. Uh, yeah. Why can't I think of his name right now? Horvat. Yeah. Goaltending is actually pretty good right now. Um, so we'll see. Um, the one thing that worries me about this game, Vancouver is 5-1-2 and two at home mm. this year. Mm-hmm. The Avs are five three and one on the road, but five one and two is a pretty solid home record this early in the season. It's a good building, obviously, tough building, and that's kind of I think the thing for Vancouver is kind of like you said in a way, um, this season's all about proving that they're you know competitive, and I they're the start of the year they are proving that. Whether that sticks around for the entire season is yet to be seen, obviously. But they're they're out here. They're out there. And and they're giving her. And, and they added JT Miller in the offseason from Tampa Bay. Which was huge. It it seemed a bit odd because it seemed like a trade, just like a typical Vancouver trade where they're adding a piece when they shouldn't be adding a piece. Mm-hmm. But has he ever fit in? Yeah, and he's putting up points. So Putting up points and he's kind of gelled very well in that top six. So yeah. if you want to watch a guy and for some reason you're not watching Pedersen, JT Miller is right there and they got to be aware. Yeah. Obviously it's just like saying, Oh, you guys want to watch McKinnon. Yeah. You got to watch Pedersen, but yeah. if you sleep on JT Miller, he's going to bite you. Yeah. So, and another, yeah. And that's like uh Quinn Hughes as well. That too. Another young defenseman. Yeah. Another young stud on that, on that decor there. Uh, watch out for power plays because 
they they got a pretty good power play there too. So yeah, it's a it's a you know interesting road trip here. Started her off on the right note with a nice four nothing shutout victory against the Jets, and we got Oilers on tomorrow for us, but fourteenth Thursday, then Vancouver sixteenth Saturday, Calgary, then Minnesota. And then we're back home again, but not again, not against an easy opponent in in the Leafs. So it's a tough little stretch here for sure. In a tough Canadian road trip, they're never easy, especially with all the travel. With all the travel and with how these teams have been playing to start the year too. Exactly, all these teams. Uh, you know, who would have thought that the Oilers, Vancouver, and the Flames would be at the top of the Pacific? I guess Arizona just recently took one of those top three spots back. But that's another team. Oh, wait, sorry. No, you're right. Arizona's second in Pacific. Oh, yeah. Okay, I was right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so even, you know, the West is interesting this year for sure. Yep, for sure. Uh, that being said, we should probably wrap this up because, yeah. uh, you know, typical offside by mile podcast. A little long. We go over the line and offside, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and uh, we'll catch you Monday. Monday. On Monday. <laughs> Don't forget to visit us on Twitter at Offside by a Mile to join our conversation and have your voice heard. Also, check out the rest of the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet and the HockeyPodcastNetwork.com. You can listen to the podcast there or anywhere you get your podcasts from. The biggest thing you can do to support us is by going to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and giving us a five-star rating. Also, if you're looking to donate to the network, visit the Hockey Podcast Network's Patreon page. All donations go straight to the podcast host. Thanks, and see you next episode. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network on Twitter at HockeyPodNet. New episodes every Monday and Thursday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.